The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Hello, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It is us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that no one asked for, but we did anyway. I am your host, your vagabond down Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined as ever by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I am not too bad, Dave. How are you? I've I've been better, Lee. <laughs> You're just back from holiday. I had a lovely holiday, my friend. I spent a week in Rome uh, slash Venice. We went to to Rome for four days and Venice for three. The best holiday of my life. Uh, I I turned 30, so I needed to run away to the Mediterranean to be sad about that. Um, So, yeah, I I went there and I've always wanted to go to Italy since I was a child because I'm a history nerd and a football nerd. And, you know, I'm I'm not half fond of pizza or pasta either. Um, (laughs) So it was like the nexus of a lot of my interests. I've always wanted to go and just it's never happened. And we finally went and it was the best holiday ever. And then within 24 hours of being back, I had to watch Thunder. (laughs) Uh, that's how you end a holiday, my friend. Oh, yeah, fucking crash back down to earth in a, in a big way. Um, um, so you're officially 30 now, yes? Yes, I am. I, I am in my 30s. It's all fucking downhill from here, my friend. So are you now an official part of that Twitter? That, oh, that, when do I get my membership back? I don't know. You, <laughs> see, you'll have to talk to James about that one. <laughs> the king of the Daz himself. The king of the Twitter Daz, for sure. We'll get, we'll get a bone saw to give you a shout out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's it's been a good time, other than the fact that I had to come back and watch Thunder. Um, I've kind of... I think Thunder might be the only professional wrestling I've consumed since our last show, um, because I don't really watch WWE at all anymore. Nobody does, apparently. <laughs> they had a pay-per-view last weekend that I didn't know was on until the morning after. Uh, it had happened, so that'll tell you about their cultural penetration at the moment mm-hmm. for me. Um, so yeah, and it's weird because I'm actually happier staying in the rut of 98 Thunder than I am watching 2019 WWE for the most part, which is it's not something I ever thought I'd say, but here we fucking are nonetheless. Um, as, as someone who has a child that dips into WWE a lot less than he used to, and he's only six, yeah. but he, he turned on Raw today, and let me tell you, I much prefer Thunder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, the thing I've always said about Thunder is that like you go from the sublime to the ridiculous. 
So um, there's always something I, you know, there's there's a couple of shows here and there we've had which have just been kind of interminably dull, and that's the worst kind of wrestling in the world where it's not, it's not so bad it's funny, and it's not so good that it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I hate. Uh, once it's one of the extremes, I'm quite happy, and thankfully Thunder is usually one of uh one of the extremes. You can leave it to yourself to guess which one it is more often than the other. Um. Anyway, before we get into uh, this week's episode, Lee, it is time to talk about what we are pairing our uh, our Thunder watching with this week. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you to take the floor first. Well, see, I kind of forgot that we were doing the podcast today. And yeah. it was only when I got home that I realised I had no beer. Oh, no. So, for tonight, I am busting out the bourbon. I am on a beautiful... Oh, no lovely sudden comfort and lime oh you're you're a sooty man are you oh man i have drank so much sooty in my life <laughs> so i've always been i've always been more of a, a like stereotypical indeed but i was more of a, an irish whiskey or scotch man um there was the time at which i drank most in my life where uh, i used to drink uh, very discount value scotch that I, I don't know how I, I survived that period of my life in particular. Uh, I was going to actually join you when I had seen your tweet about running out of beer, and mm-hmm. I was going to join you by by having a Jemison tonight. Ooh, uh, nice. But my my room, my little uh, office here in my house, uh, is kind of a heat trap, and I came up and it was absolutely roasting hot, and I can't because the microphone's on, I can't turn on my fan, so I needed to go for volume rather than quality. So I have picked a beer and a large <laughs> beer at that. Uh, I have gone for, um, and it is Irish, the Boyne Brewhouse Irish Craft Pale Ale. Okay, um, sounds interesting. Yeah, which is, I think it was, I think it's brewed not too far from where we are, but anyway. Um, 4.8%, not too bad at all for a pale ale. Um, and I will let you know how that goes down uh, as we continue on with the so, programme. Uh, I just want to say something. Uh, the l- well, not the last time we were together, but a previous time we were together in 2018, I ordered mm. a whiskey and you proceeded <laughs> to rip the absolute piss out of me. <laughs> and I now come to learn that you drink whiskey. Yeah, yeah, it's my sp- it's like literally the only spirit I drink. So... Yeah. You're quite I, the hypocrite I, I, there, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Dave. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Dave. I'm not, I'm not kayfabing my surname. You can, <laughs> you can, you can call me Mr. Ryan if oh, you like, uh, that seems a bit too formal. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I can't remember the situation, because I remember doing it, but I can't remember why I thought it was funny to rip you for the... Whether it was that, like... My, was myself and Johnny, was it? It was, yeah. Yeah, whether it was that, like, the two of us were just kind of getting your, like, your garden variety German beer or whatever, and it just, I don't know what it was. Um, or it was, like, a riff on the, the vape conventions that tend to take place in Germany whenever we're there. Who the fuck knows what goes through? Especially, like, at that midpoint in the weekend when we're just so insane from tiredness. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. It probably seemed like a good idea to rip you at the time. Um, <laughs> I think, I think looking back, I can now see that was just jealousy. Yeah, yeah, well, it probably was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually do have a bottle of that that I cracked open I'd been keeping for about six months I can't believe this this is just booze chat now um, instead of thunder this will tell you the quality of episode that we're just stalling this long um, but I, I for when the, the night I turned 30 I cracked open a distillery edition of uh, Jemison uh, a bottle that you can only actually buy in the Jemison distilleries mm-hmm. um, 
So yeah, I, and that, I have, that I have down one downstairs as well. It's very yeah. nice. That went down smooth, even if turning thirty did not. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's try and recapture some youth by talking about a show that happened when I was young, low those many years ago, Lee. Um, Thunder episode ten, March twelfth, nineteen ninety eight, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, our usual commentary team in place of Tony Brain and Stagger Lee Marshall. Uh, gotta say before we start here, Heenan was sporting an outrageous tie. Um, I paused because I was going to do like a little bit of a, a gag here, trying to describe the tie, but I literally couldn't find the adjectives that would have captured the majesty of the man's tie. Was it bright yellow? It was bright, there was design, bright yellow was definitely the dominant colour, but it wasn't mm. close to the only colour that was happening. There was a lot, it was a very busy tie. I, I took in this whole outfit and I was just a bit like, that. I just kind of put it down to it being 1998 and just went... Just being Heenan. <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was weird because, yeah, like I said, the whole outfit was kind of muted, relatively speaking, with the exception of the tie, which was just, I, the... Even my, my, my TV here, which is a quite, like, top-of-the-line model, was having trouble trying to make out the what was exactly going on on this tie. But fair play to him, nonetheless. I'm, I'm sure he had appeared with some lovely wacky socks. Yeah. The the lads start to try and kind of uh, introduce the show and talk about the, the big things that are going on uh, leading into the, the pay-per-view. This is, by the way, the go-home for Uncensored 98. So bear that in mind as we describe things here. Because, my God, did they throw a lot of cards up in the air with regards to what was going to be going on on that show. Can, can um, I just say that there was so much pyro at the opening of this show? Wait, there was so it, much pyro at one point. I, I I thought that those, like, you know, the canisters that are obviously, like, they're part of the stage setup. But I think from the pyrotechnician's point of view, I think it's quite clever because it seems to be like a cage from which they launch them in mm-hmm. to stop them from kind of like hitting the wrestlers or the crowd um but yeah it seemed at one point that like one of them kind of got stuck in one of those little round cages on the side um but yeah the pyro was going off like it it made when they we've joked before about the pyro they do before the main events sometimes Mm -hmm. and it made that look tame yeah like i'd swear that shivani read out uh, his autobiography while the pyro was going off it was going on that long i mean he ran down the whole show, the previous show, next week's show, uncensored, everything, and the pyro was still going off, and eventually we got a shot of the commentary to him. Mm. Um, I've, I've often wondered if, like, every former commentator of World Championship Wrestling during this period ended up with a mighty case of tinnitus for years after... Because, like, as well as the amount of pyro, the the noise had to be extremely off-putting. And I, f- well, do maybe they maybe they called it tinnitus when they had to listen to Mike tonight. So tinnitus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we kicked off the show with Giant and his neck brace uh, coming out. Uh, I think he- you will find that that Stone Cold Paul White. That is, that is, in fact, Stone Cold Paul White. With his My jeans apologies. and leather vest combo. Yeah. I was wondering, um, this whenever I see him in, like, because I've seen him in, like, leather pants before. I'm seeing him in the leather vest now. And I can't help but associate every time he's wearing leather clothing with the, the promo him and Undertaker did about uh, driving their motorbikes out into the desert. Uh, why would you bring up that promo? Oh, I was good. I, for a second there, I thought you didn't remember that promo. Oh, how can I forget that promo? 
Well, he had half a tank of gas, brother. <laughs> and he buried him in Death Valley. Yeah, yeah, making boots out of snakeskin. <laughs> oh, God, that promo never ended. Ah, oh, fabulous stuff. But uh, he was out here to call out Kevin Nash. And if Kevin Nash wasn't going to show up, he wanted to fight the entire NWO, which is probably about 80% of the fucking employed roster at this point. So fair play to him. Um, I really loved Giant's acting. Like, he's proper all-caps acting in this segment. <laughs> uh, between starting off with the, the Shakespeare-esque uh, Kevin, Kevin, wherefore art thou, Kevin? Mm-hmm. And him kind of doing dramatic pauses, uh, like, in between a couple of lines. You know the when wrestlers are trying to act and, and act poorly and they do the kind of, they'll ask a rhetorical question or they'll get halfway through a statement and they'll pause and then kind of chuckle to themselves and nod and they might throw in an old beard stroke there as well they give it give a little look to the camera yeah yeah and he did he, he looked right down the barrel of the camera as he did that this yeah. is this is gas from the giant it w- i thought it, w- it was very much he had three beaks off and got some acting lessons yeah yeah this is this is paul white and his improv troupe <laughs> had been workshopping this for a while well, no, probably wouldn't have been too long after this he would have been in the water boy was it Oh yeah, that was like ninety eight, ninety nine. That would that would have had to have been filmed in ninety eight. Yeah, because it. I'm pretty sure it came out before the turn of the millennium. I. Mm. But uh, yeah, what did you make of uh, the Giants promo here? Uh, it was good. Like you know, it gets him across as a badass wanting to fight the whole NWO, and yeah. I just couldn't get past the leather vest. I, I'll be honest; it just threw me the whole way through. <laughs> yeah it's true what they say though that like wrestling fashion is about 10 or 15 years behind like fashion in the the outside the bubble you know because well into the 2000s the fanny pack was still a thing Mm -hmm. and it still is in michael hayes case yeah so uh, to be fair leather vest late 90s country music you know it's it's not too outdated i imagine um actually uh, funny you should mention it lee i i just looked it up here and the Waterboy released november 6th 1998 wow, so okay. he probably would have been in the midst of filming this during his injured spell or a little bit thereafter so maybe he got some uh, tips from adam sandler so yeah he's walking there going i've been in movies don't worry about this. Like, you know, the, the the famous apocryphal story about DDP uh, going up and lecturing the actors on the set of Ready to Rumble about how to act? No. Have you never heard about that? I've yeah. never heard this, no. Apparently he was going up and just kind of going, like, giving pointers to people on the set. <laughs> like, legit actors. Dallas Page telling Oliver Platt how and when to say his lines. I love DDP so much. <laughs> Um, so Savage comes out uh, after he's after challenging the whole NWO to a fight um, and the commentators are going well this is a guy who's fighting Hogan in a cage on Sunday and he wants to be the new leader of the NWO and throw Hogan out and take it in a new direction so maybe he's taking exception to this and uh, quite maybe uh, conversely to their expectations Savage decides that he loves this idea because if Giant beats up the whole NWO then that clears a path to Hogan for him because he's suspecting that even with a steel cage, even though I think you'll agree, Lee, the whole fucking point of a steel cage is that people shouldn't be interfering in it. Mm-hmm. Um, even in spite of the steel cage, Macho is the one man smart enough to know that the NWO would still definitely interfere. 
So he's like, well, if you beat all of them up, they can't protect Hogan. I get Hogan in the cage. And then once I beat Hogan, I can get to the title. And, you know, ignoring the kind of the, the silliness about just ignoring that a cage match is supposed to keep you away from people. I really liked Savage's promo here. I loved Savage's promo. I also loved how it began. Let me quote him exactly. Please uh, do. I, I, I was going to write this down, but I'm glad you did. I wrote this down because it is such an amazing, typical macho man quote. It goes, Am I hearing what I think I'm hearing at the particular time that I'm hearing it? <laughs> now, I was going to try and do a savage voice, but I'm not very good at it. So just imagine Randy Savage saying that and you'll get the idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it just, Savage, I thought, was just brilliant. Um, and it's clever on his part, like you say, like that, he wants to be the leader of the NWO, so the NWO getting wiped out so he can get a Hogan. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, the the talk of the WCW title brings out Sting, and this might be the first time we've heard Sting speak properly. Is this on this run of thunder? I'm pretty sure it is, because they were still doing the whole thing of, oh, Sting is about to speak and being a big shock. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've heard him. Yeah. Um, so he says it's not the title it's my title Macho says I don't know right time right place who knows and Sting said this is the right place huge pop from the Baton Rouge crowd Um, and the match is on we're going to have Savage versus Sting for the title on the go home show for the pay per view makes perfect sense and this is the running theme of the, the show is that either succeeding in or trying to make you believe that the card is completely up in the air a few days before the actual pay-per-view. Well, um, I mean, it is uncensored. Yeah, not sure about the, the wisdom of that. Like, I, I feel like that kind of thing would be more suited. To if Like, I get that they, they plug that, oh, it's, you know, it's a wild pay-per-view, this uncensored, but it's not like it has the card subject to change moniker where you're like oh, do you know what a, you know. that kind of build would would have been perfect for a cyber sunday yeah something like a cyber sunday where you know it's more about the the stipulations you're voting on than who might be the champion um but yeah i'm not sure about the wisdom of this necessarily because i i'm always an advocate of and obviously there are exceptions to every every rule in wrestling but i'm always an advocate of the idea that you want to lock in your big match for a pay-per-view as early as possible mm-hmm. and just um, build to it yeah so you don't want to kind of raise the possibility that we could just snatch the title off your dude a couple of days beforehand and then the reason you've bought the pay-per-view is null and void um but anyway um this segment it kind of like it it felt like uh long by thunder standards because usually we get like if someone's gonna do a promo it's quite quick and then we're into the the wrestling except for that one week where it was fucking ages before there was any wrestling um but i think it also felt quite important though as well yeah yeah it it, i liked it because it advanced some stories it now it didn't always go in directions i like again the the title match being on for tonight i'm not wild about but it advanced the the story. It made sense why all three guys were there. All three of their positions within the context of their character, the internal logic of their characters made complete sense to me. And it only took nine minutes from the top of the show to when the, the first match was, was starting after this segment. So uh, one thing I do appreciate is that if a similar thing was booked out for Raw, <laughs> um, it would probably be the guts of half an hour and it wouldn't have like it wouldn't have made as much sense 
um the the motivations behind why everybody was saying the things they were saying um so the, there's a bonus to that i guess um the first match tonight <clears throat> brad armstrong versus raven with perry saturn and it feels like I, I think this is the last of my wwe comparisons but there is there is one to be made in this match i think um so raven comes out uh and <laughs> like saturn is slinking out with him um and he cuts a promo before the match basically about how shite brad armstrong is um <laughs> and about how great and how much respect he has for bullet bob armstrong and the armstrong family and then speculate about the you know the armstrong curse and how he just can't get it done and how was it he said it was in 1990 or 1981 he was uh, uh, a ni- ni- 1980 rookie of the yeah, year 1981 you were a tag team champion yeah. and now look at you um which is a heavy shock considering it's 17 years at this point since 1981 yeah um so yeah heavy shot fired but this is all seemingly under the guise of trying to tempt him into the flock maybe um that seems like it's a kind of like a come and join me think about you know i i can show you the way and the light and this sort of shit and then as he's kind of like brad is both annoyed and also kind of thinking about it just just out of thin air Raven rushes him, even flow, bell rings, and he pins him. So the match is over in three seconds. And I loved, did you see the face that Nick Patrick pulls as he DDTs him? It's like utter disgust, but he knows he has to ring the bell. Yeah, I got to do my resignation that he's got to do his job. He was fabulous in this little, this little piece here. Loved this because again, it, it it didn't outstay its welcome. It advanced uh, Raven, the cult leader character. Mm-hmm. It it put the they've been talking more and more with a couple of appearances we've had of Brad Armstrong so far. They they're talking up this Armstrong curse idea, and this is my WWE comparison: is how much better of a cult leader Ray, Raven is than Bray, Bray Wyatt ever was. Oh, they're not even close. It, I mean, because Raven so direct and so like. It's clear what he's talking about. You hate him, but mm-hmm. he's also not wrong. You know, in in as much as it is true that it's been that long since Brad Armstrong was an up and comer and had a belt and all this and that and like the flock are getting shit done and he's in a he's in a, a like a, a three way ter- three way match for the U.S. title on the pay per view and he's a big part of the show and the flock are picking up wins left right and center and they got each other's backs. But if you were Brad Armstrong, you know you'd be tempted by this you know you're not just doing kind of weird southern preacher drawl uh, yeah no not like, really making sense about anything and then singing it, like raven's motivations all make perfect sense and yeah. even if he is manipulating someone you you kind of see it and you go yeah. okay i see what he's doing here but it, it obviously resonates with the person he's doing it to yeah, and like, obviously Raven has his bad week sometimes because he. Do, I've talked about his whiny promo the other week um, that I wasn't a fan of, but when he's got material like this that he can sink his teeth into, I, we've said it before. What a what a mind for wrestling this man has! Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Like, um, what was the the thing he wanted to do on Sunday Night Heat? Wasn't it the uh, the story based on the Seven Deadly Sins? Oh yeah, yeah. That, I know that's one he's talked about. He really mm-hmm. wanted to do should look that one up people at home if you if you like your your raven um oh, I, I will also say that the other thing this segment does is put over the even flow oh one yeah move and it's lights out kill shot like just yeah person is out and that's it which um, is amazing because now if you think about it going into this three-way on sunday you've got page who can hit the diamond cutter out of fucking anywhere and it's lights out uh 
Benoit, who if he grabs you in the crossface, it's over. And uh, like you said, Raven's got a one-shot kill on the even mm-hmm. flow. It's, it's brilliant. Oh, it's like great little storytelling. And like even if subconsciously you don't realize you know, you yeah. know if one of those moves gets hit or locked in. Mm-hmm. Like the match is over. Um, I did love um, before the match, we get a close-up of a sign that says, Thunders must see TV. <laughs> uh, and Marshall says that sign right there is that is right or whatever he says and right behind it is a sign that says Kidman has crabs <laughs> and to be honest I'm not really sure which sign he was talking about <laughs> <laughs> uh, certainly at this time uh, given the way young uh, young Billy was coming to the ring it certainly would look like he had something anyway that's for sure um <laughs> strung out on medical grade cream uh, for those grabs <laughs> um, our next segment Tony is on the ramp with El Jericho um, Kurt, <laughs> I, look his at the moment the man is not covering himself in glory on Twitter um, in 2019 but fuck me Chris Jericho is great you know, I love this man. He is frequently the most or close to the most entertaining man on these shows. Um, still wearing Hoovy's mask. Uh, he talks about how he intends to give Malenko his shot at a title tonight uh, on Thunder. He he points out, uh, as he started saying last week, that he's the man of a thousand and four holes. But not only that, he's a collector of trophies because he has Hoovy's mask. He has the belt and... Well, we all know what happened to Rey Mysterio, he said. It's worth noting as well that during this segment, Jericho is still sporting the Rey Mysterio t-shirt. This is all kind of cool character development, wouldn't you say? Where this idea of he's got the belt, he's displaying basically the heads of the men he has recently defeated. It's it's great. Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's so good. Like, Jer- 98 Jericho is just... You can see that he gets it now. He understands exactly yeah. what his character is. Um, like, a couple of weeks ago, it was he won the belt and he wouldn't take off the belt. Yeah. But then he took out Rey Mysterio and he started wearing the Mysterio t-shirt. Yeah. Then he took Hoovy's mask and he hasn't taken that off since. And yeah. it's just th- this little, the, the uh, what did he say, the collector? The, the collector of trophies, the yeah. The trophy collector. Like, it's yeah. just perfect for... And it mm. brings... He's so different to the other loot, to the other cruiserweights as well, that yeah. it just... Oh, I love it so much. And and as we would see later on, this whole segment and what he was doing and what he was wearing was foreshadowing. Um, but not in a way where... It, like, again, if this was current day, and I'm not just battering WWE with this, if this was current day, any televised wrestling, really, in America they would be so heavy-handed with the foreshadowing that they couldn't resist the, eh, 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 you know? You see, he um, was wearing a mask, didn't he? You, did, you know, it was him under yeah, the mask. Yeah, and, but, and and even, like, Shivani says as he comes out, oh, that's you, Chris Jericho, under the mask, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, like, not in a... Like, you think it's just a skit, a self-contained skit, and, and that's it. And it's, like, it's... Oh, it's brilliant. Like, we'll talk about we, it more we'll later. It, but he, yeah. ta- he, he says that tonight, when he beats Malenko... With his own move, the Texas Cloverleaf tonight, he will insist on it being renamed the Canadian Jericho Leaf. After which he says, has a ring to it, doesn't it, Tony? <laughs> it doesn't, but still. <laughs> He's just like, because there's that other element to his character. Like, he is, he wins matches. 
the, the lion tamer is over huge as a devastating submission hold. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, he's collecting all these trophies, but at the same time, he's an utter self-obsessed doofus. Uh, and that, that's part of what I love so much about him. Um, our next match, talk about careening off a fucking cliff in terms of quality as we go from Chris Jericho to Kendall Windham versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Did you, did you, rec- <laughs> I was going to say, did you recognize the music when it hit? That was Hacksaw. No. <laughs> See, because, I, I know, did. Do you know why? Because I would have, but I wasn't paying attention to the music because I was so mad that I, I that we were getting another Kendall Windham match. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, as soon as the music hit, I was like, hang on, I know that. And then I went, oh shit, it's Duggan, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Do you, do you know what the worst part of like this will tell you how fucking just bland and generic and bad Kendall would and I feel like I feel like I'm being a bit harsh but I'll say it anyway how how just not on my radar Kendall Wyndham is at all this is the second time we've seen him and the second time straight where as he's coming out I'm just going Jesus I didn't know Horace Hogan was in this as, er- as early as <laughs> It's exactly what I thought the first time until I realised, oh no, he's too beefy. Oh, it's this guy. <laughs> Cowboy Horace Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. This we'll, have to go, we'll have to suffer through that eventually as well. Can I just say this match fucking sucks. This was, oh my god, it's so bad. Like, he's I, just... Ken, like, look, Duggan is Duggan. <laughs> That's like, no excuse. No, like, it's not, you're not expecting, like, a technical masterclass from Duggan. But Kendall Wyndham is awful. <laughs> you know? It's one thing about... You could get right. Duggan might have an acceptable TV match with the right guy, you know? Yeah, in um, 1991. Yeah, yeah. Like, but like, even a guy who, like, comes out and it's 30 seconds of the dude bumping around like crazy for um, Duggan. You can't even do that with Kendall Wyndham because he's so big and awkward and his timing is bad and he nearly fell over on one of the first spots and... The, be- the highlight of this match is Bobby saying, like, Bobby just burying Duggan by saying his eyesight is so bad he has no idea if he's in the ring or out of the ring, and that's why he brawls outside so much. Uh, do you know what I noticed? It seemed like Duggan legitimately hurt Wyndham with an atomic drop. Yeah. Like, he actually had to leave the ring because he was in pain. A shoot atomic drop. <laughs> this, the first God. of its kind. This was awful, and it really annoyed me when he won because... Uh, Shivani said, "Oh, hacksaw is, a, is in the middle of a winning streak." Yeah, yeah. Like uh, what? The concept of a hacksaw winning streak at ninety eight is infuriating. Here is a question I have for you: Did you before this match have any idea what hacksaw Jim Duggan's finish was? Yeah, I did actually. Oh, you did. <laughs> well, see, don't forget, see, I I grew up with hacksaw, so I knew you had. Yeah, like, you see, hacksaw would have been like before my time. So when he hit the old glory knee drop, I was completely out of my chair that it was the pin. It's like that shitty knee drop. A knee drop to the arm area. Yeah, just paralysis instant. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. as he's on the way out of the ring celebrating his victory Tony says there's nothing flashy about Jim Duggan I was like you don't fucking say Tony you don't fucking say I'm sure his paycheck was fairly flashy um, Saturday night uh, gets a tease next and it features and I quote the awesome Bill Goldberg and this wasn't just Tony describing Bill Goldberg as awesome the graphic literally read the awesome Bill Goldberg which yeah. I really hope is a nickname that they've started to try and get over for him 
I'm assuming this is the era where they're just trying anything with Goldberg until they finally just settle on going. Goldberg is pretty much fucking cool enough on its own. Yeah, because I thought they had. Because remember, like, the first couple of weeks they called him Bill Goldberg, and then they were just calling him Goldberg for a while. Mr. Goldberg. Now they're back to Mr. Goldberg, and now they're up to the awesome Bill Goldberg, so they're just going to start adding more words. It's going to be like the the, the wrestler equivalent of, like, the Derek Zoolander Institute for Kids Who Can't Read Good. (laughs) (laughs) The awesome Goldberg who is good at the wrestling and that. (laughs) Um, so we've got that, and we've got a match that's teased as WCW versus NWO as Bulldog and Jim Neidhart take on uh, Kurt Hennig and um, oh, who Brian Adams. Was? Brian Adams, yeah. And not oh, the Canadian Jesus. singer, the really bad wrestler. Yeah, not Brian with a Y, Brian with an I, unfortunately. They, they also tease a Malenko and Benoit tag team match, so. Yeah. I'm sure that was good. Depending on who it was against, I guess. Um, next segment White Thunder is here. <laughs> <laughs> he's come back out um, Let, hang on hang on. can we not call him White and Thunder please well, it, here's the thing right so they, they've already dropped the White Thunder nickname at least it seems like um, the look and the nickname White Thunder it's not a great combo it's it's really not it's one of those things where there have been several gimmicks I've seen before that I was like this is about a half step away from a white supremacist gimmick and I'm not I'm not wild about it um, I used to think that about um, Sheamus when he started on the main roster in WWE. That like the amount of because you know the Celtic Cross ha- what like is appropriated by neo Nazis and skinheads like yeah, as a yeah, yeah. you know. So there's the Celtic Cross. There's like oh there's the the white noise and stuff like that. And them calling him the Great White. I was like, could could we please tone it down a little bit? <laughs> Um, I never got that, but yeah, I can totally see it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's hard to unsee. Someone pointed that out to me before, and I was like, ew. <laughs> um, anyway, White Thunder is here, Scott Steiner. <laughs> and he's facing, of all the people on this earth who could have come out on Thunder to face Scott Steiner. Hang on, hang on. It- just, just think of all the people that are under WCW contract in 1998. Yeah. All 200 of them. Would you have get? How long would it have taken you to guess Johnny Grunge? Uh, I'm, uh, I'd get to like the bottom twenty five. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why, mate? I had no fucking idea he was still getting paid by them at this stage. And fair play. Uh, the term "robbing a living." Yeah, and this is like. Fair, you know, fair play to him. Like, because I wouldn't have turned down guaranteed money from them. Lord knows there are people. At least he's coming out and having a match. Like, Vincent is, you know, <laughs> on this show. Fucking um, Lanny Poffo, <laughs> who's, like, literally just sat at home for years getting a paycheck from them before he got cut loose. Like, it's, you know, uh, at least he's having a match once in a blue moon here. But, I mean, think um, of the people they could have had in this position. Yeah. Like Finley. He can take a loss. Yeah, uh, I don't know any of the other Brits. Regal, Dave Taylor. Yeah, there uh, are people who could have come out and had a decent match here with Scott, but I guess they just wanted to do a quick squash and have it done with. So hey, you and the weird T-shirt, come on. Um, so yeah, Johnny Grunge was the man who drew, drew the short straw here, and um, I couldn't. So I have the thing like where um, because I didn't watch a lot of ECW in its prime, and I didn't watch a lot of. WCW when uh, Public Enemy showed up there at first um, 
my chief kind of whenever i think of johnny grunge lord rest his soul is, is it when the, the um, aba match no 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 so remember i can't remember whether it was after eddie died or i know it was after benoit died and all the like the the vultures in cable news were all over wrestler deaths mm-hmm. and rightfully so because there had been a lot of the like the under you know that list that was circulating for a long while it was like 45 wrestlers under the age of 40 who had like dropped dead uh, in the last 20 years even though the the list was kind of smudged because there was some people on the list like Owen Hart who obviously wasn't the the drug overdose or suicide or heart attack that you were usually getting with wrestlers um I remember one Brian Alvarez appearing on Nancy Grace do you remember that no I do not (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Brian Alvarez appeared a couple of times on Nancy Grace, and I think it was when he appeared that Johnny Grunge came up in conversation on it, um, where there was a crazy lawyer who was uh, trying to get some, like, clearly, like, some sort of vulture who was just trying to capitalize off this horrible mortality crisis within the wrestling industry, and she was trying to do these cable news slogans, and I will never forget them. her talking about, like you know not wanting these the guys who were overdosing and having heart attacks to be like role models for the children and she mentioned johnny grunge and used the phrase the children shouldn't emulate the grunge oh my god and to this day like that was so when was that that was 2007 so it's been 12 years and the phrase emulate the grunge immediately came into the front of my mind when johnny (laughs) grunge came out (laughs) so you weren't you know dancing away like Big no, I wasn't, or or kind of, you know, missing Flyboy Rocco Rock either. Like I, I, that's all I could think of uh, when I came out. Um, but anyway, grunge. yeah, Johnny Grunge was here. Uh, Steiner just puts a whooping on this guy. Um, nearly dropped him on the top of his head with like. Only a man the likes of Scott Steiner would try a belly-to-belly overhead suplex on a man of Johnny Grunge's dimensions. And fair play to him, he got him over. Barely. I I mean, if you were Johnny Grunge, would you tell Scott Steiner no? Yeah, that is fair. Because (laughs) I guess whether you tell Scott Steiner yes or no to the belly-to-belly, he's strong enough that he will still do it he's just gonna throw you either way so you may as well cooperate yeah you may as well that's your best chance of survival I Um, guess I just wanna say as well this match fucking sucked (laughs) yeah uh, thankfully it didn't last very long um got a couple of and this will tell you uh how bad it was this was my point of the show where i started looking at the crowd signs uh we got a steiner is a heiner sign which i believe they mean arse um so there you are and then yeah as in like heiny arse i'm guessing that that's my best that's my best interpretation of this sign from a fine citizen of baton rouge um, another one which was kind of like attempting to do a meta pro wrestling sign which was a sign that read another shameless Lewinsky sign um, <laughs> I see what you've done there sir <laughs> that's good. like that's that's like he was doing the the fan sign equivalent of subtweeting I believe <laughs> <laughs> I, w- um, I wouldn't know anything about that uh, no you wouldn't no salt of the earth as <laughs> Tiger Lee Malone and the salt of the earth is the only salt you're throwing around on the twitter.com let me tell you <laughs> um scott uh basically so yeah Gr- johnny grunge gets the heat at one point during this match and starts teasing because obviously he brings the table 
to the side of the ring for his match. Uh, he starts teasing, getting Scott through the table. He's on the apron, and, and Scott just knocks him through the table. And even though, as the commentators are harp on, like the fact that he'd gone through the table and was basically deceased, um, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have to. He he didn't have to do any more to him. He had him beaten, but he still rolls him into the ring and puts him in the Steiner recliner. See, surely that should have been a DQ. Uh, yeah, the the kind of the putting people through tables thing is always I find a weird gray area because it seems if you after the match starts, if you set up the table and put them through the table then it seems like, okay, that's a DQ. But the table had been set up prior to the bell, so does that mean that it's not a DQ? So it, he didn't set it, up? it wasn't like, premeditated? You know, when, you know, like, sometimes when the people go through announce tables, it's not counted as a DQ? Like, uh, yeah, it's it, one it, of those... It's a grey area. It is. We should. This is what. This is why we need that fuck you post wrestling money, so we could get uh, <laughs> former referees on the program to clear up the rules. <laughs> Let us get uh, Nick Patrick on the show. Oh, I tell you what, if we could have like a kind of like a like a podcast perch in the corner with Nick Patrick in it, you know, like Michael Owen does on the, <laughs> the, the, like, the BT Sports, like him or a referee he, he, he will could, do that. Oh, we'll, he, we'll cut to the guy in studio for some further analysis. Like, I uh, don't like films. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Patrick is our Howard Webb. He just interrupts yeah, yeah. halfway through the broadcast <laughs> to say, "Well, see, the rule here is." <laughs> <laughs> um, and just in case Lee you had missed the finish th- to this match don't worry because we have the ultra ultra strength Ben Gay replay <laughs> Which yes that is the me, best name for a replay sponsor we have had so far me sitting alone in my house with my dog and, what <laughs> now let ultra me just strength. say I do not know what Ben Gay is I think it's like a deep heat kind of thing, is it? It's not a thing in Ireland, is it? Yeah, I think there's equivalents of it, um, but I, I've never seen it here. And yeah, it's it's like um, a Volterol okay, or a yeah. deep heat. It's a pain relieving cream, according to the Googles. See, I didn't. Um, I didn't want to Google it either because it's funnier if we don't know. But yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. No, no. If it's nitro, we don't Google it. But if it's things, if it's things that people need to know, like the Water Boys release date or what the fuck Ben Gay is, then I'm googling like a champ. Like, um, oh uh, yeah, no, it, it, I lost it as well when that came up. Yeah, I just that's right up there with Snickers sold out. Um, Sponsored by Snickers. Yeah, um, our next segment, uh, Tony on the ramp again, this time with Eddie Guerrero. And I know kind of, you know, the cat's out of the bag with it many years hence, but it's still kind of fucking weird hearing Eddie in his normal voice. You know, not doing his like, a, like his exaggerated, uh, oh, like Latino, the Latino, Latino that he would do in yeah. the, fe- yeah, that he would do in WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, uh, in in terms of like length of his career, I saw him more in WWE than I ever saw him anywhere else. Um, so when he speaks just normal and he cuts a good pro, I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> it is like this man should have been a superstar long before he was. It 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 was weird because like yeah it's a it's a really good promo but also it just because he's doing it in a normal voice it feels like he's being dubbed because it's like <laughs> that's not the that's not. That's not the voice I usually hear come out of that head. Um, but yeah, so he is out here and... Um, I love that uh, Shivani brings up his TV title match on Sunday 
And yeah. then he just goes, I don't care about that. Mm. <laughs> okay. Because he's here to bury Chavo. <laughs> Which he Which should. Is import- important business. You got to get it done. Uh, so he's out here to bury Chavo. Chavo comes out. Uh, and Eddie's basically explaining that I've tried beating you up. That didn't work. I've tried dragging your face all around the ring. That didn't work. I've tried pan-picking opponents for you, and that didn't work. You're still terrible. You're a disgrace. Um, <laughs> you're a disgrace. And Chavo's kind of doing a bit of back and forth. It was like saying, you're a disgrace. Um, and basically, Eddie challenges Chavo. Um, and Chavo accepts and wants to go now, which... Eddie was not prepared for and throughout Chavo's promo and his march to the ring Eddie's facial expressions are heroic oh Eddie's facials were fucking so great his like little glance at the camera he'd look back at Chavo yeah. he'd make a face he'd turn back oh, yeah, and the like and he, the like no 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 yeah <laughs> it was just he, he was this was the Eddie Greer that everyone came to love like yeah, uh, and it was just one of those times, and there are, there are many when I see old footage of Eddie, where I'm just like, oh, fuck, I miss that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what a what a special talent he was. Um, so the match kicks off, and because it is uh, Latino men in the ring, Mike Tanay appears uh, on commentary, and he's brought a nugget of information, because you know he is the super sleuth, as he established a couple of weeks ago, trying to solve a mystery that I think he still hasn't solved, um, of why... Uh, Macho and Lex were meeting in a car park Um, Tanae is here to give us a nugget of information that Dean Malenko who was sitting backstage has accepted Chris Jericho's challenge for later in the night and then um, yeah pretty much quick as a hiccup Eddie just beats Chavo and uh, the one thing we had to mention was that Eddie had kind of uh, said the stip for this match is that uh, if, if I win uh, you have to do what I say and, 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 and shit like that. So I guess now Chavo is his ward. Do you know where this leads to? I think I do, but I'm not sure. Okay, so, uh, well, I won't I, spoil it. I I, yeah. I very much remember this storyline and where it leads. Obviously, I haven't read Eddie's autobiography as well and... Mm. Obviously, gone back yeah. and watched a few things. Now, this is like because it's it's this is still slightly before I start watching WCW, mm. so I think this is probably a thing I've never actually seen, but have probably read about in like maybe Death of WCW or something like that. Um, but we shall see again. Yeah, just in case I'm wrong, I, I will leave myself unspoiled on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Chavo now essentially Eddie's ward moving forward. So we'll see how that goes, and he. Like a pro, this match is out of the way. We need to remember the match on Sunday. So he goes into the camera and he cuts the promo, just basically saying, Booker, I'm coming for the belt, which is good. Just to remind people that the pay-per-view is Sunday. <laughs> um, Hogan, Eric, and Scott Hall are out. And I got to say, the, the real eye-catching thing about their entrance here, apart from just how punchable Eric Bischoff looks is uh, I am in absolute love with Hogan's shite death metal band t-shirt. <laughs> that is some horrific merch, my yeah, friend. it is horrible. Um, but, you know, he probably sold, sold a shitload of them, so who are yeah. we to judge? Uh, they come out and... Um, there, I think it's E that starts off by saying there is, uh, there's smart, there's dumb, and then there's mega dumb, and the giant is mega dumb, uh, which cues Scott doing his giant impression, 
and uh, Hogan with an- another one of those like lines that Hogan definitely was extremely proud of himself for coming up with. <laughs> when I heard fee fi fo dumb and he pretty much puts that much emphasis on dumb so that we know what he's done there and about halfway through the <laughs> halfway through the next sentence stops to go I said that <laughs> for fuck's sake like, <laughs> he's your dad that, he's, that's what he is uh, yeah you're real racist uh, um, <laughs> bra- they, they spend the segment bragging about how dumb giant is and you know, like, the whole, ah, yeah, giant is dumb thing is pretty much a thing that follows him throughout his career. <laughs> like, you know, between this and the, like, which way did he go? Oh, oh. Like, um, th- this guy's been called an idiot for 20 plus years. Yeah, God bless him. Uh, all he wants to do is sit at the Hall of Fame and vape. Like, come on, <laughs> give, the, give the guy some peace. Um, so... The one thing I will agree with the the lads here on though is that they move on to talk about how dumb Savage and Sting are, because they point out that they've both got huge matches. Savage has got his match with Hogan in a cage, and Sting has got to defend his world title against Scott Hall in a couple of days at the pay per view, and the two of them are basically going to try and take each other out in a title match on this show, while the other the other two guys are like, "Oh, we're not doing anything that strenuous. We're going to team up with all our buddies and just beat down this big dummy." <laughs> yeah, and, like you know, th- like again, it's another thing where. What they said completely makes sense. That is fucking stupid. Like, th- this is what I have on my uh, notes. I basically have, like, this all made so much sense, and that isn't what, what usually happens when Hogan comes out. It's like, normally Hogan comes out on babbles and babbles, and none of it makes sense, but we get a good laugh out of it. Whereas this time, like you say, they call the three of them basically idiots, and you kind of go, yeah, they pretty much are. <laughs> yeah. Um... Where are we from here now? I've lost my point. Oh, yeah, so the next segment. (laughs) Uh, One of your favourite people on Earth, Conan, taking on Liz Mark Jr. Tell us about how much you love this one, buddy. (sighs) This was fucking bad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm still waiting for Conan to have a a good match. I'm guessing that happened sometime in the TNA era. Who knows? Um... Yeah, Conan gets credit for bringing the Luchadors to WCW, which kind of breaks the fourth wall a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, more than a little bit, I think. Um, Conan is dreadful. (laughs) Uh, Yes, welcome to the team. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wasn't off the team at any fucking point, my friend, but this was just like, fuck me. Like, what a lazy... Like, oh my God, like, I get the fact that he's all banged up already in 1998 but specifically whatever about when you put conan in with another big burly american wrestler who isn't going too fast when you put him in with someone like lismark jr who's like flipping and running around the place you're just like this guy is moving in slow fucking motion by comparison lismark did a top rope uh at or assay moonsaults and made it look fucking effortless I don't think Conan's seen a top rope in about five years. Yeah, yeah. It was oh my God. the difference. And one of these guys is a push commodity and the other is Lismark. It's amazing, isn't it? It's fucking... It's so annoying. Like Lismark Ken- Jr., like, so smooth as well as so quick. So smooth in what he's doing here. And it's not like um, he was a small guy because he wasn't. He was, like, 
I think he was actually bigger than uh, Conan at this point. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely like height wise for sure, uh, and like I don't know about weight. Um, he's definitely more built than Conan, that's for sure. Um, I I think the real fucking the real nadir of this match that just sums up Conan at this point is that Conan tr- attempts, and I hasten to say the word attempts a bridging German suplex and physically cannot make the bridge. And this isn't like, oh, he's in like the final quarter of this epic hour-long Broadway and he just hasn't got the strength in his muscles to post. This is like Three minutes 30 in. or 45 <laughs> seconds into a match, it felt like, you know. Yeah, his first that, real activity, he, like. Yeah, and he hadn't been exerting himself particularly to that point. It's not like he got blown up by going like 100 miles an hour in the first 30 seconds and just had nothing left. Um, he just, he couldn't get, like, he essentially nearly pinned himself with Lismark. And he, he, like, he Germaned Lismark onto himself and nearly lost. And Lismark just kind of showing him up, just bridged over anyway. As yeah, if, as if just to, like, like just, just... like he felt fucking bad for him. Yeah, it was kind of like a bit of a fuck you, like. Um, I will give Conan some credit. Yeah. The 187, the Cradle DDT, and the Tequila Sunrise is a pretty cool finishing combination. Yeah, yeah. For for um, 1998 standards, anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, he just wins, and you just feel like, oh, why him? I, I think... Again, why is he the push commodity, as We're, we're going to have to get used to it, because I'm pretty sure right through the end of the promotion that Conan's going to be a pretty much an ever-present. Yeah. Here is my... At least when he's... At least when we get later and he's in the Filthy Animals, he's basically just doing the promo every show and he's not really wrestling. It's the same um, promo, though. Yeah, at least, but at least it's it's over in about 30 seconds. Um, anyway, this match is over. Uh, he attempts to take Liz Mark Jr.'s mask off, but Hoovy runs out for the save, because let's not forget these two guys are in a feud now. Um, my favorite point on the whole show, were you watching Vincent during this run-in? No. <laughs> I've right. never watched Vincent with any purpose. <laughs> never intentionally watched Vincent. Um, so they, like I said, they, they, uh, Conan jumps Lismark at the bell. And as he's trying to take the mask off, Vincent comes into the ring. Hoovy runs out, gets up onto the top rope and does a springboard seated drop kick to Conan uh, to b- break up the his, his kind of beating down of Lismark. This entire time... Vincent is watching Hoovy run to the ring, watches him get up onto the top rope, watches him springboard, and instead of, like, trying to attack him, try to get Conan out of the way, or trying to move in any way towards the man who's attacking, presumably his friend, Vincent stands completely still watching him, and then slowly just leaves the ring. (laughs) He just gets out of the ring and walks around the ring and leaves. So what purpose do you think Vincent serves in the NWO? Like, why, why did they have him? Like, why, what did they see him there as? There's nothing. There's only nothing. <laughs> like, He's never fucking contributed anything except a fucking meme to professional wrestling in his life. That, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, why they felt the need to add him. Which is why, like, no no matter what, like, I can only be so hard on the likes of Kendall Windham and stuff like that, uh, or Johnny Grunge, who were showing up once in a blue moon to have a shite match. 
at least when they show up, they're actually moving. And at least as much as we slag off Conan, Conan was actually in the match here. Like, <laughs> Vincent didn't even deign to pretend like he was trying to do something. Ah, oh, just awful. Awful, man. <laughs> anyway. Um, what have we got here? Um... And then, uh, yeah, Tony, leading into the commercial break, uh, says, we got this coming up tonight. And then he goes, and now a John Travolta wannabe standing by. I'm not sure what this was about. Um, But it leads to an interview segment with Rude and Hennig uh, talking to Tony. I thought this was pretty great stuff from Rick Rude. I thought Rick Rude was brilliant here. Now, maybe the standards are just so low, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, like, Rude starting out saying that uh, a couple of friends of his up in Connecticut had put a bounty on Bret Hart's head that he was yeah. interested in collecting until Hollywood got in his ear. Mm. I thought that was just a great little throwaway line. Yeah, it's just, that's the kind of referencing the other company that I'm down with. Mm-hmm. Especially considering, yeah. like, Rude had had the, you know, the the infamous Nitro and Raw on the same night kind of thing. So it's not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they basically talk about how like these two guys are best friends, uh, him and Hennig. And like you said, Brett had the, the price on his head. Um, he's like, uh, he's talking about how at the pay-per-view, you've got a match with Kurt Hennig and we're going to like beat the hell out of you. We've got a one-way ticket to Hades and back, which means no snacks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then he finishes the promo off and saying, you bet, you can bet we're going to make you sweat. And then puckers up and kisses into the camera. Just like a nice little bit of Rick Rude attitude there to finish his part of the promo. Yeah, I thought I thought this was pretty good. That was some real they, 1993 WCW era Rick Rude. Yeah, I was, just, I was just missing him, like, calling them a bunch of Louisiana sweat hogs or something yeah, like I, that. I really wish Rude had been able to come back to the ring. Yeah, like, I, but it's also such a shame that even when he couldn't and he was doing this, like, suited-up valet here and then later with DX, that he never really, or um, earlier with DX, should I say, um, he never he never got that opportunity, like, he never got as much opportunity as he should have, because this guy was great on the microphone, given mm-hmm. half an opportunity. Yeah, like, I, I took a note, like, uh, they mentioned Scott Norton and Henning and Rude, like, they're all this kind of Minnesota crew growing up came through the business together yeah like if the nwo wasn't a thing that would have been a cool little stable like you know yeah it would be like the minnesota version of like the jersey triad we would have later in wcw yeah, that perfect perfect uh, example yeah um then we had uh, a shite video package for the u.s title three-way that just had oh we got a new uh mixer for video graphics and we're just going to try and hit all the effects buttons and wipes and stuff that we have <laughs> this like somehow made me actively less interested in probably my most hype match for the pay-per-view it's funny how they do that with every fucking pay-per-view is that <laughs> oh so the video packages in this company are hideous they're just so bad. Hideous. Like they just take away any excitement you could possibly have. Next match we had Perry Saturn versus Disco Inferno. Uh Lodi sporting a sign saying Saturn Ultimate Gargoyle. Did you notice that Saturn Saturn was doing this kind of like breathing and twitching and kind of like pulling funny faces? He was doing it yeah. before during Raven's promo as well, and then he was doing it on the way to the ring. Yeah, is Raven's 
Raven's withholding the heroin this week on the people win matches. <laughs> I was just going to say, is this his idea of character development? Yeah. At least it's better than Billy Kidman's character development, which is, how can I look itchy? <laughs> well, he's not allowed to have soap. I mean, what do you want him to do? Yeah. Uh, so, Saturn starts off this match. I was just going to say, so you weren't a fan of uh, Disco in this match, were you? Uh, funny enough, no, Lee. Yeah. I thought, <laughs> As it happens. I thought Disco had a great performance in this match. Oh, did you? Well, that's because he's a shite bag. Um, <laughs> I <didn't>. Anyway. <laughs> it was his best showing so far. Yeah. What up, Chris? Can't wait for the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> look, just because we're right and you are wrong. <laughs> no, look on the on the disco curve. I will grade this as probably his best performance so far. I'll agree with you on that. But like, you know, that's like which was my favorite stab wound I received. Um, Saturn starts off with some ad- admittedly quite vicious strikes in the corner, and like. Every time you see Saturn come out in the hoodie or stand around with the flock, you forget this is a very like aggressive hoss of a wrestler. Oh, he's a fucking badass, like <laughs> Yeah. And like really never got in the position he deserved for like how intense uh and proficient he was in the ring. Um bit of a back and forth then. Um one point, and this will, again, this will seem like I'm doing my bit, slag it off Disco, but I would absolutely say this about any other wrestler on the card, even if it was Saturn did it with Disco. Disco, who is, at least by the, the psychology of the match, the babyface here, um, <laughs> he, despite being the babyface in the match, attempts to try and steal a pin by getting leverage off the ropes. He never claimed to be a good guy. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> continuity Malone strikes again look just because he's against another bad guy doesn't mean he is automatically the good guy I'm having none of this <laughs> um, look he was just trying to get the W basically uh, this goes on for only a couple of minutes and then Saturn mercifully puts the man out of his misery with the rings of Saturn I will say I um, loved Saturn's pump handle suplex I think we mentioned it yeah. before It's oh yeah oh, he just throws him love that man um, and if, if Disco had beaten him here it would have been a fucking travesty I know like uh, even though I'm not that deluded Disco shouldn't be beaten Perry yeah. <laughs> Uh next up Giant versus the NWO uh, Giant basically he starts off this match uh, against uh, is it Scott Hall first it's Scott Hall first but the full yeah. NWO I'll give you a rundown on who it's out oh, yeah, so. cause I, I just wrote NWO because at this point in the show I was just like I can't believe it's not over yet <laughs> So we had Hook Hogan, Scott Hall, Conan, Kurt Henning, Brian Adams, Scott Norton, Scott Steiner, and Vincent. And Rick Rude was at ringside. So it was nine on one almost. So yeah, fair play to Giant. Uh, odds, uh, not so much as forever. It's funny how like NWO ultimate rule breaking uh, cool heel faction at least at the start nominally tried to keep with the idea of like the legal man <laughs> oh yeah because that that's the cool thing to do yeah so you had eight men out on the the rig side and like half of them were on the hard cam blocking off like half the ring yeah that made no sense like why they didn't go to yeah. the other corner but you know yeah. there WCW. was no team in the other corner they could have just gone there it would have anyway 
Um, I had to um, I had to commend Scott Hall for starting the match and bumping like a fucking crazy man for Giants. That's the thing. Look, Scott is one of those guys who, like, when it's time to bump around like crazy and take a whooping, he is a man. He is the man you can call upon. And uh, yeah, Giant just wails on him for a while. Uh, then it kind of the match breaks down, and uh, for the disqualification, there is a Giant hitting a jackknife on Conan. <laughs> And no man deserved it more after his shite performance. Like, can you imagine that they had Conan technically pulling double duty on this show? Of all the people. I never thought, anyway. of, it. I never thought of it that way, but now I'm really mad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I've now seen two Conan matches in the space of fucking 15 minutes. Yeah, you kind of miss him and Buff as a tag team now, don't no. you? No! God, no! <laughs> <laughs> Actually, where um, is Buff? I don't know. Um, not on this show, anyway. He brought Scott um, into the NWO, and now he's disappeared. Yeah, well, now we have a, a, a new <laughs> largest arms in the world guy. We don't need you anymore, mate. It's just weird. Like, I, just now that you said it, like that's when I just realised he hasn't been on the show. Um, Hogan and all after the jackknife. The jackknife scares them, so they go running. Uh, Giant gets chained up, uh, as has happened before on the show. Uh, Nash comes out as he's being led up the ramp, spits at him, and in a cool spot, Giant breaks his chain, huge pop from the crowd, and he chases after Nash. He's like, oh, fuck. He did not spit at him. He threw hot coffee on him. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he threw hot. It was the last time he spat coffee mm-hmm. at him, wasn't it? Yeah, so. Yeah, sorry. This time he just threw it. I think that's mixed the up. third instance of coffee-based offense from Kevin Nash on the show. <laughs> um, That's... See, that's where... Was it Jer- Was it Jericho and Kane had that feud over a cup of coffee? Yeah, he bumped into his chest. Yeah, that's where they got it. They were watching their Nash tapes. Um, <laughs> Don't let Chris uh, Jericho hear you say that. Yeah. Uh, next match, uh, Malenko versus Jericho. Malenko beats the hell out of Jericho, didn't even give him time to take off his mask, and taps him out with the cloverleaf. But Lee, that's not Chris Jericho. Well, see, this is what gave it away to me. Yeah. Because if you've ever seen Super Liger, you will know that Chris Jericho cannot wrestle under a mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I did not get this at all until the unveiling, and I lost my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. It was like, fucking amazing. <laughs> it was Lenny Lane. <laughs> I roared laughing. Yeah, I thought this was perfect. Like. When Jericho in his old was that his old his really old ring jacket he was wearing his like fucking Lionheart yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. one he wore at one night stand that's again. what it looked like alright yeah yeah um he comes out of nowhere with the belt and uh, clobbers Malenko with it and puts him in a lion tamer to which I ended the segment by writing God bless Chris Jericho. <laughs> Yeah, no, he deserves it after this show tonight. There's there's a man you want in two segments on a show. Fuck Conan. <laughs> if only Chris Jericho had got to push that Conan gets in like late 98. Um, things would have been so much different. I know, right? Um, next match, Scott Norton versus Lex Luger. And I was like, why is this show doing this to me? Can we skip this Thankfully, one? <laughs> Thankfully, I had barely finished writing Scott Norton versus Luger, and the match was already over. It wasn't on very long, but Scott Steiner runs out. Um, uh, It's amazing to me that Scott Norton was an IWGP champion, and yet in WCW he gets treated like an absolute jobber. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Scott Steiner runs out. Yeah, these two guys are just kind of an afterthought to this because Scott comes out to, to put a whooping on Luger. Uh, then Rick Steiner is out. Um, and again, they had mentioned that Rick, uh, that Scott ran away from Rick on Nitro when he tried to confront him. But this time, Scott is thrown back into the ring. And uh, Lex and Scott put a whooping on the NWO boys. Uh, or Lex and Rick, should I say, put a whooping on the NWO boys. Um, because they had kind of, like, during when Rick came out, they had re-emphasized, it had been made clear to us before, that, like, Lex is such a close friend of the Steiners that he may as well be the third Steiner. Yeah, he is the third Steiner. He is so close with the Steiners, even though this is the first time we've ever heard it mentioned. Yeah, no, well, no, they did. I think they did mention it once before uh that they're mates but i don't think they had kind of this was the first time they'd really hammed up how close they were um yeah so they they brawled uh our main event then we had macho man versus sting uh macho attacks sting very early before even gets a chance to take off his flasher rain jacket um (laughs) again another case of the match barely got going when the nwo just came out um, the faces managed to fight them off and clear the ring, but and then the NWO, like real dumb henchmen in some sort of like sixties Batman TV episode, they regroup uh, for a trap. <laughs> yeah, they regroup and have like a team huddle, <laughs> and they have it for so. Like, what could they have possibly be saying? Like, what? What stratagem was Hulk Hogan trying to? I think like, Vincent was disagreeing with Hogan on the strategy. Yeah, so a conversation broke out. Vincent. Well, that's that's Vincent is big picture. That's why he's not on the ring. He's he's got the mind for strategy. So he was kind of trying to lay out the plan, and Hogan was just kind of dismissing it all the time. This this is my own head cannon. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's as good as any. It's definitely better than what seemed to be happening. Uh, Where they just the stood around they, and watched. It takes so fucking long to do it that uh, Sting calls his harness down, has time to awkwardly fix himself into his harness and fix Savage into it. Very blatantly for all in the arena and like some of the NWO who were facing where they were would have definitely seen this. And then they kind of, as they break the huddle, the guys zip up into the ceiling and it's over. That's the end of your show. I have one question about this. What about poor really? Liz? <laughs> they just left her there. <laughs> they did. <laughs> oh. Real men of valor. Are they leaving the woman behind? Yeah. I mean, I guess it would have been more, the implications would have been more harrowing if uh, Sting had gone and, like, tied Liz to the harness and zoomed up into the rafters <laughs> with her. It would have been very Phantom of the Opera of him. Um, um, but yeah, no, that was a fucking shite ending to the show. Yeah, I feel like it started, like, the show started off pretty good, fell off a cliff with Duggan. And then, with the exception of a couple of Jericho segments and that, it kind of stayed off a cliff. Um, and this was, uh, we mentioned very early on, uh, our friend Aaron Furious had warned us, by the time you get to episode 10, Thunder really starts to show what it's like. Yeah, it was um, quite clear with guys like Benoit and DDP not on the show, it, it suffered. Like, Gold, there was no Goldberg match. Um, obviously Hart and, and Flair no longer appear on Thunder for whatever reason um, it's just very like it's gone downhill not even gradually it just has as you say fallen off a cliff at points yeah. and we're, 
we're searching for those good moments to get us through. Thankfully, we have Chris Jericho. Yeah, thankfully we have them, and thankfully the weeks that the likes of DDP and Benoit show up, and we have Saturn being a great wrestler. And I still, at this point, like I like, you know, with the right guy, I think I'll enjoy more Scott Steiner because he isn't completely immobile at this point in his career. Like I think by the time it gets to say two thousand, he is already extremely limited. Um, but by that but point, can... the crazy booking should be should yeah. get us through. Yeah, yeah. At least for this while, like he's still physically able to kind of throw lads around um, and move. So it's it's it, that's good. So there is still some sprinkled stuff in here. But yeah, as a harbinger of things to come, I'm I'm not very pleased with this. Um, and this was again, this was our go home for a pay per view. <laughs> are, are you um, not hyped for uncensored now? I am not fucking hyped for uncensored. I'll ask you what I've asked you on the previous couple of go-home shows. Run down the card for me. Right, okay. Hold on, I'm going to take a a big sip of my my Boyne Pale Ale here. Well, uh, while you do that, I'm going to tell you how many matches there are. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine matches on this card. I'm not getting within an arse's roar nine matches predicted here on this, (laughs) but let's go anyway. Go for it. So, um... Malenko Jericho. Yes. Um, then we have the US title three-way, which is um, Raven, DDP, Benoit. It is, yes. Booker, Eddie Guerrero. Yes. Sting and Scott Hall. Yes, that's four. Hogan Savage in the cage. Five. Um, I'm trying to think who else is on this show. Do Conan and Hoovy have a match? They do. That's six. You're two thirds okay. away. I've actually done much better than I thought I would. <laughs> uh, Nash and the Giant? Seven. Okay. Final two. I have no... Because I'm trying to go through the titles here in my head, and I have no fucking idea who the tag team champions are. That doesn't matter. They're not on the fucking show. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's the Outsiders. Still, as far it? as I remember, it is the Outsiders. Unless a title change has happened on Nitro. Yeah, in the last two weeks, which again, very possible. Uh, so that's not on the show. Um, fuck, I'm trying to think who are like the big people that I haven't mentioned so far. Um, is there a Scott Steiner match? There is not a Scott Steiner match. No. Oh, there okay, is actually. So sorry, there is. There is. Sorry, I wasn't looking at the notes properly. And it's it's not Scott versus Rick. It's too early for that. Surely. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Scott versus Lex? It is Scott versus Lex. Yes. That yeah, that would be just based on the angle. That would be my best guess. So I'm at what eight? That's eight. So you have one more to get. Okay. Uh, I'm fairly happy with my eight out of nine here. Um, but could you give me a hint? Because I I am absolutely one of the participants was featured in two separate segments of the show. I've already mentioned Jericho and Conan. Mm-hmm. Vincent doesn't have a match on this pay per view. <laughs> God no, Jesus. <laughs> uh, I've already mentioned Scott Hall. I've already mentioned. You're onto something with the NWO angle, though. Yes. Oh fuck. Uh, oh, it's the um, it's the the Kurt Hennig Bret Hart match. It is nine yeah. out of nine. You impress, impressive score. Fair fucking play. I'm. Ne- I'm. I. I tell you what. I'm never. 
I'm never getting all of them right again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll ever have a, a pay-per-view card laid out so well for us yeah. after this. Uh, Lee, our, our other bit of business here. Tell me your winners and losers from this show. Oh, Chris Jericho. Fucking winner, and it's not even close. And the loser is Conan, because he was in two fucking segments, and he did fuck all except get powerbombed. And I don't think there's anybody that I will even listen to an argument for on either of those choices. Yeah, I don't think I can argue that at all. Uh, like, maybe, uh, like, you could make an honorable mention for winner, uh, Eddie Guerrero. He doesn't come close. Fabulous. He doesn't come close to Jericho on the show. No, no, he doesn't. But the honorable mention. Um, and similarly, another honorable mention for Rick Rude for being a surprise package in terms of promo here. I wasn't expecting him to get mic time and I wasn't expecting it to be that good. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and my loser is absolutely Conan. Jesus fucking Christ, like, <laughs> another. Or that whole Kendall Wyndham, Jim Duggan segment, you know? Yeah, that'd be another contender, to be fair. Which, like, if Conan, the person, could separate himself into two and have a match, it would have been that match. Jesus Christ. You know? Um... So yeah, that's your winners and losers. So uh, hype levels going into the pay-per-view? Out of 10? Uh, for everything but, say, like, I'm hyped for the TV title match, but Booker and Eddie can't help but be good. Mm-hmm. Um, the US title three-way, because it features our favorite guy, DDP. Yep. Uh, and obviously the other two aren't aren't slouches either by any stretch and of course our main man Chris Jericho uh, I'm looking forward to, to him and Malenko getting some actual time but other than that I'm kind of like eh. it sounds very much like you are a fan of of the 1998 era because the undercard is without doubt the highlight um, yeah. like you say those, those three matches sound like they're going to be phenomenal and definitely probably some of the best matches we've seen so far on our run through the uh, pay-per-view was on the TV show. Don't you love when you know you have to watch a pay-per-view length show and that you're only looking forward to three matches that'll probably be over quite early? Yeah, and they're not going to get half of the time that like the top three matches are going to go. Yeah. Although, to be fair, that said, Booker T, in his two matches on the last pay-per-view, got half an hour of that pay-per-view. And if cumulatively those three matches can take up somewhere around 45 minutes to 50 minutes... I'll be very happy because that'll be a third of my pay-per-view time allotted to actual good wrestling. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. I just have a feeling that like Henning and Hart is going to go like 20 minutes. Yeah. Hogan and Savage will probably go close to that as well. Put it this way, I, I think one of the things I remember from death at WCW and, and reading newsletters and stuff like that is that these uncensored shows were often poor. <laughs> Jesus now you just killed any anticipation I had <laughs> yeah I don't remember this specific one if it was this specific one or it was one of the other uncensored but look uh, we just better brace ourselves and make sure you have the fridge fully stocked with beer next time mate or make sure you have a lot of bourbon <laughs> oh I have a lot of bourbon uh, I'll never go uh, go without on the show good man good man that's what I like to hear we'll be back in two weeks uh, on Days of Thunder here over at Pro Wrestling Only 
uh, to talk about WCW Uncensored 98. But until then, thank you for listening. At WCW Thunderpod on Twitter is where you need to go to follow us. Give us your thoughts um, about the shows that we've either done or are coming up or what you think of the show. Please tell a friend. That's how, the, the, you know, we're... Lee, I, I think I could speak on behalf of both of us that we're so fucking happy with uh, our growing community of Thunder Buddies here uh, at Pro Wrestling Only and in the wider internet space. Oh, yes. Um, so happy with, like, the... Um the follower numbers, the interactions we've had with a couple of followers. Yeah. Um, we And that's the thing. We, we'd love to hear from more of you. And look, it's WCW. There are no stupid questions and opinions because the stupidest version of every question and opinion is what they're actually doing. So don't be the person that feels like, oh, I, you know, I don't think I have an original thought. I don't feel like I'm adding anything to the conversation by sharing with the boys. We would love to hear mm-hmm. from anybody and everybody, whether it's over at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter um, whether it's emailing us wcwthunderpod uh, at gmail.com or whether it's on the pro wrestling only forums which while the site is having uh, a facelift over the coming months the forums are still active and Lee posts the show in our little podcast subfolder there we've, we've also got a, a yeah, tread on the wcw subreddit on yeah. reddit.com so Lee, if you... Lee Lee is boldly attempting to figure out reddit us old men it's not really our mode of communication but we're, we're if the conversation is going to be there then we'll be there and look don't worry because like you say if you have some kind of weird opinion you're a fan of somebody that not many other people like look we've had Chris come forward as the ultimate disco inferno fan you two could become known as like the ultimate Alex Roy fan or a big Vincent fan who knows <laughs> Yeah, um, please, yeah, as, as I said, just join in the conversation. We love hearing from everybody. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. WCW Uncensored 98. Get hyped, even if we're not. We'll see you then on our next stop, Down Thunder Road. I can see through the scars inside you. I can feel the thunder that's breaking. I can see through the sky